beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, whenever you have a test coming up, the one thing you want to know is what matters most. What do you have to study? I think many of you young people have been preparing, probably preparing for exams this, this week. And, and that's what you want to know. You, you want your teachers to tell you. What are the things that they have taught you that you need to focus on? Maybe you've, you've had it happen before that you had a test and you, you, you studied, you were busy studying, but you came to the test and you, you realized, I studied the wrong thing. It's almost nothing worse than focusing on the wrong thing, coming, coming to a test and realizing, realizing that. Well, maybe there is something worse. You see, that can happen that that we we focus on the wrong things, not just with exams, but but with life in general. We can focus on on the wrong things left to ourselves apart from the grace of God. That's exactly what we do. We we live as, as if the things that matter most are the things that happen to us. When things go well for us, we're we're happy. But when things go wrong in our lives, we complain, we, we get frustrated, we get anxious, we get upset. Or, or we live as if the thing that matters most is how people treat us. As long as people treat us well, we, we, we appear gentle and kind. But as soon as, as soon as that doesn't happen, as soon as people begin to treat us not well, we can become angry. We can let bitterness begin to fester and grow in our heart. We focus on our circumstances or on ourselves. These are the kinds of things that we focus on by nature. And we do that before conversion. But we also can do that after conversion. We can focus on those things. But they're the wrong things you see to focus on. That doesn't mean they're not important. They are. The things that happen to us, the way people treat us, are important. But they're not all important. They're not the thing that matters most. That's what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is teaching us in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. He's teaching us that what matters most is not what happens to us, not how other people treat us or anything like that. What matters most is the preaching of Christ. The preaching, the proclamation, not just the official preaching in church, The proclamation of the gospel, of who Jesus Christ is, of what he has done and is doing and will do, and what his person and work means for you and for me. That's the most important thing. It comes out again and again in these verses. The Philippians have heard, they've heard that Paul's in bonds, he's under house arrest, and he knows, he knows they're concerned about that. They're concerned about how he's doing. But how, how does Paul address that concern? He points them away from those things. And he points them to something else. What does he point them to? He points them to this. Listen, he says, the gospel is being furthered. It's progressing. It's being made known in the palace to his Roman guards that his bonds are not for something, some real criminal thing he's done. His bonds are in Christ or because of Christ. 
And what's more, he says, the brethren in the Lord are being emboldened, encouraged to speak the word without fear. Christ is being preached. And that's what Paul's rejoicing in. That's what matters most. And the lesson, congregation, that the Holy Spirit is, is teaching us through Paul here is this. We should make the preaching of Christ, the proclamation of the gospel, our central concern in life. Because that's what matters most. With God's help, we want to consider this passage, Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18, under this theme, the preaching of Christ matters most. And we'll see, first of all, that it matters more than circumstances. Secondly, it matters more than ourselves. And thirdly, it matters more than anything. So first, the preaching of Christ matters more than circumstances. We see this especially in verses 12 to 14. Verse 12 really begins the main body of, of Paul's letter. In the first 11 verses, we've, that serves really as the introduction. We've already seen strong hints there that Christ is all important to Paul. He mentions the name of Christ no less than seven times just in those verses alone. But, but now here in verse 12, he, he begins the body of his letter and Christ's all importance becomes abundantly clear. Paul begins by addressing the matter of his circumstances, the things that have happened unto him. Look with me at what Paul writes, verses 12 to 14. But I would, you should understand, or I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see what he's saying? He's saying the furtherance of the gospel, the speaking of God's word, the preaching of Christ, it's all essentially the same thing. That's the important Thing. The preaching of Christ matters more than his circumstances, more than the things that have happened to him. And that's a remarkable thing, congregation, for, for Paul to say. Because we have to remember, we have to remember that the things that happened to him were not pleasant things. Paul wasn't writing this letter from a comfortable study. He was writing as a prisoner. He'd been a prisoner for some time already. Several years earlier, some Jews, you can read all of this history in the book of Acts. Some Jews had seen, had seen Paul in the temple, and they had stirred up the people by accusing him of teaching people against the Jewish law and the people in the temple, and of defiling the temple by bringing a Gentile into it. And that, that infuriated the crowd. And the crowd came, they grabbed him, and they, they, they tried to kill him. But, but then the Roman commander in Jerusalem, he heard about the riot, and he came, and he, he was with his soldiers, and he stopped it. But he took Paul prisoner. In fact, he almost had Paul, Paul flogged until he found out he was a, a Roman citizen. And while he was in custody in Jerusalem, the Jews, some of the Jews came up with another plot to try and kill Paul. But the Roman commander found out and sent him to Caesarea. What happened in Caesarea? Paul suffered the injustice of the Roman rulers for over two years. They knew he hadn't done anything wrong. But they kept him in prison just to please the Jews. Finally, Paul appealed to Caesar. 
And so he was taken as a prisoner to, by boat to Rome. And children, do you know the story? It wasn't a pleasant boat trip, was it? It wasn't a cruise. Absolutely not. There was an awful storm and there was a shipwreck. And Paul and the rest of the people on the boat, they ended up on an island. And finally, eventually, Paul arrived in Rome. And what happened in Rome? He was put under house arrest for another two years. And at some point then, most likely near the end of this time, of these two years of house arrest, he, he writes this letter. So he, he's writing it as one in bonds. He's, he's, he's confined to a house. He's chained to a soldier, at least one soldier, at all times. With an 18-inch, a foot and a half long chain. The only, the only bright spot is that he's allowed to have visitors. Now, just try and put yourself in his situation for a moment. You can't leave your house or go out anywhere. There's always at least one Roman soldier with you, connected to you by this foot and a half long chain. Always, always. You never have any privacy whatsoever. And these Roman soldiers were probably not the most polite people on earth either. Many of them were probably pretty rough. Men who were used to swearing and, and cursing and making crude jokes. Maybe some of you have to work with people like that. But imagine never getting a break from that. Imagine never getting a Saturday off or a Sunday off from that. That's Paul's situation. That's what his life has been like, not just for a few days or even for a few months, but for a few years already. Paul's circumstances, the things that had happened to him were not nice things to have happened. They were not things you would want to happen to you. But notice what Paul does here. He doesn't complain about his circumstances. He doesn't really focus on them at all. The, the only thing he says about them is they have actually wonderfully served for the furtherance for the progress, for the advancement of the gospel. For one thing, Paul says, it has become known in the whole palace, better translated here, by the whole palace guard, the, the Roman emperor's personal bodyguards, as well as others, that his bonds are in Christ. The many soldiers of the emperor who took turns guarding Paul learned by his witness both to, to those who came and saw him and no doubt both to themselves as well. They learned and heard about Christ. They heard the gospel. And, and for another thing, Paul says, his bonds, his imprisonment for Christ's sake has been the means of making other Christians much more bold to speak the word without fear. They, 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 they witnessed how Paul was was upheld by the Lord uh, under, under his imprisonment and how the Lord used him. And, and, and they thought, well, if the Lord can use him in prison, then, then he can keep me, he can use me in freedom. The, the point is this, the result of Paul's adversities, his trials, all the troubles he had experienced and was experienced, has been, had been, by God's sovereign and good providence, the result had been that Christ is being preached. The gospel is advancing even into Caesar's own palace. Yes, because of the gospel he has preached, he is now suffering trouble. As he says in 2 Timothy 2.9, he's suffering trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But what's his comfort? His comfort is this. The word of God is 
not bound. And that was his comfort, you see. The preaching of Christ. That was Paul's great interest. That's what mattered to him. His circumstances were less important. Because why? Because he knew they were in the control of God. It's interesting he says in, in, verse, in verse 17, he speaks of himself as being set, being set, divinely appointed, appointed by God for the defense of the gospel. He's in God's hands. And he knows that being in God's hands is the best place to be. Because when you're in Christ, you see that nothing can ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So his circumstances, yes, they matter, but they don't matter most. What matters most is the preaching of Christ, and that's what should matter to all of us. Paul's wanting the Philippians to know this, and that's saying that that should be their and our great interest too. The preaching of Christ matters more than circumstances. Is that true for us? Does the preaching of Christ, does the proclamation of the gospel matter more to us than circumstances? It should if we are Christians. So what is your reaction? What is your reaction to difficult circumstances in your life? Maybe you have health concerns. Maybe it's pain that won't go away. Maybe it's a disease or some sort of disability. Maybe you have financial struggles. Maybe your job is difficult. Maybe you're single and you don't want to be. Maybe you're, you're married, but it's not going well. Maybe you've lost a loved one to death. Maybe someone has hurt you in some way. These are all difficult things. This is life, congregation in a broken, sinful, fallen world. Difficult things. And we can mention many more, but, but the question is, how are you and I reacting? Are we like Paul? Or are we not? How do we respond to adversity, to troubles and afflictions in life? Do, do we complain about them? Do, do we look for the quickest way to change them? Don't misunderstand. The point is not to deny or minimize the real pain and the hurt and the suffering these things cause. And the point is not to say here that we should not pray about our circumstances or that it's necessarily wrong or sinful to try and change them. But the question is, why? Why do we want to change them? This is challenging. But if it's simply or primarily for our own personal comfort or our own personal satisfaction then there's something wrong. But we need to take a close look at ourselves in this regard, beloved. You know, sometimes, sometimes we complain about the spiritual state of the West, all the secularism, all the ignorance, all the ungodliness, all the immorality and the foolishness, and yes, we should grieve over that. But could part of the reason for the poor spiritual condition of our nation be that we as Christians have been more focused on our circumstances than on Christ being preached? Could it be that we've been more concerned about our personal comforts and the gospel's advance? 
Could it be that our circumstances have mattered more to us and perhaps still matter more to us than the preaching of Christ? If we are Christians, our great concern in life should be that Christ Jesus is preached, that he is made known. And that means that in all of our circumstances, Yes, even in the difficult ones, in the uncomfortable ones, whether we can change them or not, our great prayer and concern should be, Lord, use this circumstance that you have appointed for me. Use it for the advancement of the gospel, for the preaching of Christ. That should be our concern. That's what we should pray for. And we should be praying and looking for opportunities to make that happen, just as Paul did. He didn't, he didn't just pray that and just kept his mouth shut. He opened his mouth. He received all who came to him and spoke to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And what an encouragement it is to know that God can and is willing to use even the most difficult circumstances for that He used the imprisonment of Paul. A man who had been doing so much good for the kingdom of God, preaching the word everywhere he went. And the prison door slammed shut on him. And God used that imprisonment, even that, for the advancement of the gospel. And he doesn't just do that in Bible times, congregation. You think of the Reformation. Think of, maybe some of you know the story of in the 1950s or so when five men went to Ecuador. They were killed by a native tribe. But they were trying to bring the gospel to them. And you know what happened? You know what God did? He used that. He used that, that awful circumstance to raise even more men to, with a desire to bring the gospel to the lost. Isn't this so wonderfully encouraging? You see, that means, congregation, that means that he can use sickness. He can use, God can use a terminal illness. He can use bereavement. He can use that season of spiritual darkness in your life. He can use that storm's damage to your fields. He can use that traumatic experience you've gone through for the advancement of the gospel, for the preaching of Christ. How will he do it? I don't know. Maybe he'll bring someone to your sickbed. Someone you can tell about Jesus. Maybe he'll he'll use a fellow believer's prayer in your hospital room to begin working in the life of the person on the other side of the room who right now seems so hostile to Christianity. Maybe he'll use your refusal to complain about your circumstances to cause people to ask the reason for the hope that is in you. Maybe he'll use a funeral of your loved one to bring someone to church to hear the gospel who might otherwise never have heard it. And maybe if official persecution becomes common in Canada, he'll use courtroom trials as an occasion for Christ to be preached. We might not know how he's going to do it. We might not even see the results, but you see, that's God's business, not ours. The point is, our text tells us that God is able and he's willing to use the most difficult circumstances 
for the advancement of the gospel, for the preaching of Christ. And when he uses it, it means that the gospel is unstoppable. And that should encourage us, beloved. That should encourage us to seek in all of our difficult circumstances, yes, with all the pain, with all the hurt, with all the suffering it causes, it should encourage us to seek to be faithful witnesses to Christ in all the things that happen to us, both by our words and our example. The preaching of Christ matters more than circumstances. But it also matters more than ourselves. That's the second thing we notice from our text. Look at what Paul says in verses 15 to 18. He's just said that his imprisonment has been in, in God's goodness and God's wisdom, the means of making many of the brethren in the Lord much more confident and bold to speak the word without fear. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. But there's a problem. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. And some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So, so there's, this, there's this problem. Not everyone who's preaching Christ is preaching him for the right reason, with the right motives. Some are preaching him because of goodwill, out of love for Christ, out of love for Paul, but others are not. How, do, how does Paul respond? Verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. You see what Paul is saying, beloved? There's people preaching Christ out of wrong motives, but so what? Paul's just happy they're preaching Christ. And his point with that is this. The preaching of Christ matters more than ourselves. Now maybe you're thinking, how can anyone really preach Christ out of envy and strife, out of contention or out of selfish ambition? How is that even possible? It is. It is. Envy and strife Selfish ambition, self-seeking is a very real temptation for all of us, including those of us who are ordained preachers. And that's one reason, beloved, why I and other preachers desire your prayers. Pray that we would not preach or pastor out of selfish motives. Because that's what was happening. Paul says that some people were preaching Christ out of envy and strife. They're not preaching heresy. We need to understand that. They're not preaching heresy. If they were preaching heresy, Paul's attitude would be very different. But they're not doing that. They're preaching truth. They're preaching the word. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching Christ. But they're not preaching Christ in order to build Christ's kingdom. But in order to build their own. They're not preaching Christ out of goodwill because they love Christ. They're preaching Christ out of spite. They were jealous. Jealous, envious of Paul's fame, of Paul's success, of Paul's reputation. And now he's imprisoned, and they see the opportunity, an opportunity to become more famous, more appreciated, more respected, more well-liked than Paul, more an opportunity to get more converts than him. And Paul says, 
Paul says that their intention, their whole plan was even to make Paul suffer more than he already was. They wanted to add affliction, pressure, emotional pressure, anxiety to his bonds. Imagine if someone did that to you. Imagine if someone was treating you like that. How would you react? Maybe someone is treating you that way or or maybe it just feels like that to you. How are you responding? Our natural tendency, isn't it, is to, is to respond with anger, with frustration, or, or perhaps despair. How dare they do that to me? How can God let this happen? And we start swinging the sword. That's not what Paul does here. Don't misunderstand him. He's not saying it's okay. He's not saying it's okay to preach Christ out of contention, out of selfish ambition. No. He makes that clear a little later in chapter 2, verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Let nothing be done out of strife. Same word translated as contention means selfish ambition. Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition. And that includes the preaching of Christ. So Paul's not saying that their motives don't matter, but he's saying what matters most is the preaching of Christ. Even when their purpose The purpose of these people for preaching Christ is to hurt him. Even when it means that he himself is being treated unkindly. The preaching of Christ matters in contrast to these people. It matters more to Paul than himself. What about us? Does the preaching of Christ matter matter more to you than yourself? It's a question I need to ask myself as a preacher, as a pastor. God sees the heart, even when others don't. But it's not just a question for me, it's a question for all of us. Does the preaching of Christ matter more to us, more more to us than ourselves? Does it matter more than our reputation? Does it matter more than our power and influence? Does it matter more than our personal preferences? Does it matter more than our feelings? Does the preaching of Christ matter more than our relationships? Does the preaching of Christ matter more than our church? More than our denomination? I realize, beloved, these questions feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable. But aren't these, I ask you, aren't these the kinds of questions this portion of God's word is challenging us to ask? What matters more to you? Yourself? Or the preaching of Christ? You know, many of your decisions in life depend on your answer to that question. Your decision about how and where you spend Sundays depends on your answer to that question. Your decision about how you speak to other people and of other people depends on your answer to that question. Because you see, the preaching of Christ isn't just something that happens on Sunday from the pulpit. The preaching of Christ is something that is meant to happen every day through the lives, through the words and actions of believers. Your decision, dear young people, about the friends you choose And what you do with them and what you do in your relationships, also in your dating relationships, depends on your answer to this question. What matters more to you? Yourself 
or at the preaching of Christ. It's really what it comes down to. In Paul's case, the answer is clear. The preaching of Christ mattered more to him than himself. He was willing to suffer anything. He was willing to deny himself as long as Christ was being preached. Because that's what matters more, more than himself. And the same is true for us, congregation. Whether we like it or not, the preaching of Christ matters more than ourselves. And let that make the preaching of Christ, the proclamation of the gospel, the central concern also of our lives, as it was of Paul's. But maybe you're thinking, is that really true? Is there really nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, more important than the preaching of Jesus Christ, of his person and work and of what it means? Well, that brings us to our third and last point. Our text teaches us that the preaching of Christ matters not only more than our circumstances and more than ourselves, it matters more than anything. You see, Paul refers to his, his circumstances and he refers to himself here not as the only things that are less important than the preaching of Christ. He refers to them because these are the things he's dealing with. These are the things he's concerned about that he wants the Philippians to know about. But, but they're really just examples for the, for the main point that it is the preaching of Christ that matters most. It matters more than anything. Let me remind you of what he says in verse 18. Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice the second time in chapter 1 that we come across this note of joy in Paul's letter to the Philippians and maybe some of you are aware that Philippians is often seen as an epistle of joy, letter of joy and it is full of joy he speaks here of his joy he refers to his joy and the Philippians joy several times in this book but what, what makes Paul so joyful? in light of what's happening, in light of his imprisonment, in light of being stuck and not knowing what's going to happen to him. It's this. Christ is being preached. That's the thing he's rejoicing in. In other words, that's what matters more than anything. But I hope by now you're asking the question, why? Why? Why is the preaching of Christ so important? Maybe you're asking it in a bit of skepticism. Maybe you're asking it with honest sincerity. Why is the preaching of Christ more important than circumstances, more important than ourselves, more important than anything? This is why. It's because Christ is the only hope you and I have of salvation. The preaching of Christ matters most because without Christ... You and I cannot stand before a holy God. The preaching of Christ matters most because without Christ, you and I are under the wrath of a most holy God because of our sins and of our sinfulness, our failure and our inability to keep God's holy law. The preaching of Christ matters most because without Christ, your and my sins cannot be forgiven. The preaching of Christ matters most because without Christ, you and I and our children and our grandchildren and our family and our friends and our neighbors and all people 
without Christ face an eternity in hell. That's why, beloved, the preaching of Christ matters most, why it matters more than anything. You see, the preaching of Christ is the preaching of God's only begotten Son, whom he gave because he so loved the world, a rebellious, sinful world, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The preaching of Christ is the preaching of the one mediator between God and man. Who gave, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. The preaching of Christ is the preaching of the one in whom and by whom God was reconciling the world to himself. The preaching of Christ is the preaching of the one who knew no sin in himself, yet was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, through faith in him, and we might be accepted by God. The preaching of Christ is the preaching of the one who redeems sinners from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. That we, through faith in him, might receive God's blessing. The preaching of Christ is the preaching of the one who was forsaken by his father, that we might never be forsaken. The preaching of Christ is the preaching of the one who humbled himself to death, even to the death of the cross, whom God raised from the dead and exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to pour out his Holy Spirit, to grant repentance and forgiveness of sins, yes, to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him. The preaching of Christ, beloved, is the preaching of our only real and eternal hope. Just imagine. Imagine if you never heard Christ preached. Where would you be? Where would I be? How thankful we should be that we have had so many opportunities to hear him preach. How thankful so many of us can and should be that our parents brought us to a church where the gospel, where Christ is preached again and again and again. But oh, also how vital it is, how important it is that we not just hear Christ preached, but that we respond in faith and surrender and submission of our entire lives to him. Because you see, the preaching of Christ is also the preaching of the one who will come again as the God-ordained judge of the living and the dead. We're all going to face him one day. And the great question on that day for each one of us that will decide the place we will go to be forever and ever is this. What was our response to the preaching of Christ? The answer to that question will decide whether we go to be forever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth with God to enjoy his love and worship him forever or whether we go to be forever and ever in hell. The preaching of Christ matters most. The question is, does it matter 
most to you? Does he matter most to you? The preaching of Christ matters most. I hope you saw that with me from our text. In the light of that, beloved, then let us treasure the preaching of Christ. Let us make the preaching of Christ our central concern in life. Not just in coming to church on Sundays, but in our daily work, in our witness. Let's not lose the preaching of Christ. Let's prize it. Prize it above our personal circumstances. Prize it above ourselves. Prize it above everything. Because it's what we need. It's what our children need. It's what our grandchildren need. It's what our family needs. It's what monarch needs. It's what southern Alberta needs. It's what the world needs. We need the preaching of Christ. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. Do you too? Amen.